0: Well, welcome to the Wonderful Roads of Life radio program. God bless you today. I'm so glad that you're with us. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 9 today, and I've entitled uh, this chapter, The True Tabernacle. And I said the last time that I was with you in Hebrews chapter 8, that Paul was describing uh, the earthly tabernacle. And how that Christ fulfilled every furnishing of the old tabernacle, both in the outer court, the holy place and the holy of holies. Today, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at our place in Christ in that same tabernacle. So I know it's going to be exciting. and I hope uh, that this this study really does something uh, for your heart today. But before we begin, let's hear from the psalmist. Notice what he says in Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare his praise? And then the psalmist says in Psalm 18, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Well, let's just go ahead and do that for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we know a Savior and his name is Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that you've adopted us into your family and you've given us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And so, Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us to help us today in this study and we'll give you the praise and honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise God. All right, now we're in Hebrews chapter 9 and there's something that I want to read before we actually begin our study. Notice, In John chapter four, verses 21 through 24, listen to what Jesus, uh, what John records Jesus said. And he says to the woman, this is the woman at the well, believe me, the hour comes when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, we're talking about, and we will be talking about in this chapter, the true tabernacle, but we're also going to be talking about the true worshipers that will be inhabiting that true tabernacle. Amen. Now, in this first section, what Paul does in Hebrews chapter 9 is he begins to talk about the Old Covenant Tabernacle. And we're going to see some things as we go through these 10 verses. So let me go ahead and read them to you. Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubim of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. So you can see in these 10 verses, you can see the, 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 the temporal aspect of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness. And so and the purpose of this tabernacle was to provide a place for the people of God to separate themselves. See, this is very important to separate themselves in order to sacrifice and to worship. But notice that Paul calls this a worldly sanctuary, an earthly sanctuary, a temporal sanctuary, speaking of something that was to come. And this sanctuary, of course, all it could do was cover (coughs) the sins of men. And could do that so that man could approach God in order to worship him. But I want you to notice something here. And we've already proved this in the last chapter. In the old, we see the new. In chapter 8, we saw Christ that he was in the tabernacle. I mean, all the furnishings of the tabernacle were types and shadows of him and his redemptive plan. Even though the tabernacle was a worldly sanctuary, that sanctuary was fulfilled by Christ. But not only do we see Christ in the old tabernacle, we see ourselves in him in the new tabernacle as the true worshipers of God, those that worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, in the outer court of the old tabernacle, there was two things. Number one, there was the door. And, of course, there was only one entrance and one exit in and out of the tabernacle. And, of course, that door, we know, represents Jesus Christ. He is the door. And he said that in uh, John chapter 10. Notice he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, because he says, I am the door, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. See, religion is a thief. Religion, false religion, is a robber. It robs man of the true religion, which is faith in Christ alone. Amen. Praise God. So the door represents Christ. But what it also represents is us being drawn into the person of Christ. He is the door. And the only way that we're going to get into the kingdom of God is we're going to have to go through that door. And that door is Christ. Amen. So that's how we come into uh, the kingdom of God. Notice what Jesus said himself. He says, John records this in John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And then he also said to the Israelites, notice he says this. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And, of course, that word draw literally means to drag, like a net that was put out and then dragged into the boat containing the fish. And I find it so interesting that reading after C.S. Lewis, that his uh, testimony of how he came to Christ came into the kingdom of God. He came in kicking and screaming. And that's just like you and I. Praise God. Amen. We didn't wake up one morning and decide, well, I think I'll get saved today. No, we had to be persuaded. We had to be convinced. We had to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And God literally dragged us into the kingdom. Well, as we pass through the door, then we come to the first furnishing, the first piece of furniture, and that's the bronze altar. And of course, the bronze altar, it represents the place where Christ, as the Lamb, was sacrificed. Amen. That's really the fulfillment of the bronze altar. It's the place where the nature of sin was dealt with. And, of course, in Christ, amen, we accept Him as our altar, and that's the place where the nature of sin is destroyed in our life through faith in Him. Notice what Paul, in writing to the Colossian church, says, "...and you that were sometime..." Alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. You right now, in virtue of the fact that you're a born-again child of God, in the eyes of God, you are holy, you are unblameable, and you are unreprovable in his sight. For God to deny you as a child of God means that he would have to deny, deny his son, and he's not going to deny his son. Praise God. Amen. And so when passing uh, past the bronze altar, now we come to the labor. Now, the labor it represents Jesus Christ as the sanctifier, the one who cleanses us and sanctifies us and gets us ready and fit and able for the master's use. Amen. He separates us from the world, And equips us and makes us able to be a partaker of God's divine nature. Amen. Praise God. Actually, we've already been in this action of of salvation and sanctification. It's It's a process. Amen. It takes place just as quick as you snap your fingers. That's how quickly God uh, makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus at the same time that he makes you a new creature, he sanctifies you but then sanctification is not just that one one work only I mean it's a work that continues on throughout one's life Amen, the older we get in the Lord the more we separate ourselves from the world, the, the more we grow to be full grown uh, men of faith and women of faith, praise God Hallelujah So this labor is very important. Notice what Paul wrote to Titus. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So every day we go to the labor. Every day we wash ourselves with the revelation and the light that comes from the Word of God. And and in prayer, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God filling us up, constantly being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. But notice that the door, the altar, and the laver all deal with the outer man, the outer court, so to speak, which contains in it. Now, inside of it contains the true temple and the true worshiper of God. So we leave the outer court of the tabernacle. We enter into the inner court, which is called the holy place. And as we step through the entrance into the holy place to the left, we see the golden lampstand. And, of course, it represents Christ as the light of the world. But now we and him, that golden landstand, represents the revelation of the light and the revelation that comes from uh, the person of Christ, comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from the Word of God. That's why Paul, when he's praying for the Ephesian church, he prayed for them, that God would grant them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened so that they might know What is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us uh, who believe? Well, that's that's light. All of that is light. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus, he's the one that lit every man when he came into the world. Notice it says that uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then he also says this to his disciples. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You have the light of God on the inside of you. Amen. In virtue of the fact that you belong to him. Amen. And of course, the psalmist said this. He says, in your light, Lord, we see light. That's how we get the light. We have to get it through Jesus. And we have the light in us because we're in Christ. Amen. So we see ourselves And the golden lampstand now to the right we see the table of showbread now what does that represent well it represents Christ as the bread of life he said that in John 6 in verse 33 I am the bread of life amen and Christ as the bread of life he is the one that feeds us our food comes from him he is our necessary meat he is our necessary food and not only does he feed us, he supplies all of our need. He is Jehovah-Jireh. He is the God who provides. Amen. And, of course, Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. So for you and I as believers in Christ, both the lampstand and the table of showbread speak to us of the light of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that he is the word made flesh, he's the one that feeds us. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Well, there's one more piece of furniture, and it's right before the entrance into the Holy of Holies. It's called the altar of incense. Amen. Now, this represents Christ as our intercessor. But it also represents in Christ now, we're talking about in Christ, It represents in Christ our ability to commune, to petition, to intercede, to ask in his name. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. See, that's our place of prayer. And I remember many, many years ago I was praying and I really had my heart in prayer for pastors. And I remember one Monday night during prayer. I kept praying, Lord, show me your heart concerning pastors. Show me your heart concerning pastors. And so I was I was praying. I had this little mini vision on the inside of me and I was looking into uh, the holy place. And I saw God's ministers walking and ministering constantly back and forth from the golden lampstand to the table of showbread. Back to the golden lampstand. To the table of showbread, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like a like an assembly line, like one steady stream. And then I looked over the the altar of incense and I saw one pastor there praying. And the curtain. Into the Holy of Holies was drawn back and I was looking into the Holy of Holies and I saw no one there. You see, and that was God's heart concerning pastors. We're so busy with the everyday ministry of the Word of God, and I think that's great. I think we need to study the Word of God every day. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's such food. There's such nourishment in the Word of God. I tell you, I I love it. I absolutely love the study, the daily study of the Word of God. But there is that time that we need to separate ourselves and spend time in prayer before God, bringing our petitions, our our uh, supplications, our intercessions. Isn't that what what the Apostle Paul said in writing to the Philippian church? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what's going to happen after we do that? And the God of, and the God of peace shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We get so embroiled in ministry. Because most of the time, we, you know, from one week to another, we really don't know where our church members are. We don't know where they are spiritually. They may come in one day and you feel like, man, they're ready for the rapture. And they come in the next week and they say, dear God, we've got to pray them out of backsliding. We really don't know from one one point to another really where our church members stand when it, in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need that time of prayer and supplication. We need that time of intercession. We need that time of fellowship where we just come before God and say, God, I'm not asking you for anything. I just come here to worship you and to praise you and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Need to sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. I tell you, I I, I just... We in the body of Christ, we need to come to the place where we look past past one another's faults and we see our need. And what is that need? That need is just love and acceptance, unconditional love and acceptance. We may not approve of some of the things that we see our brothers and sisters in Christ doing, but that doesn't mean we reject them. God doesn't reject us. There's a lot we do that's not pleasing to him, but he loves us anyway. We need to make a choice. We need to make a choice that we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. All right, so we enter into the Holy of Holies. We pass by the altar of incense. Now we're into the Holy holy, And the first thing we come to is the Ark of the Covenant. And isn't that interesting how the Ark of the Covenant is also called the Ark of His Presence. Amen. The Ark of His Presence. This is the place, the very core of the tabernacle, the very inner sanctum, The place where the Shekinah glory of God hovers over the ark of his presence. Amen. It's the place where God's presence comes down. Amen. (laughs) God comes down so that what? He might take us and raise us up. Glory to God. Amen. Now, in that ark, there was the Aaron's rod that budded. There was the pot of manna. There were the Ten Commandments. All of those have to do with our life and ministry. Praise God. See, we have a life in the word. But we also have the calling and the election of God that is without repentance. That's what the Aaron's rod that butted means. See, there were a lot of priests and all of them. They wanted to be the high priest and they thought it was unfair that Aaron should be the only one to serve the tabernacle. And when Moses brought that complaint before God, God said, you take an almond branch and you have every one of the of the priests take a branch. And I want you to throw it all into the tabernacle, all into the holy place, throw them all in there and then go back in the morning. And when Moses went back, the only branch that budded was Aaron's. So you have a specific calling. That calling may be prayer. That calling may be teaching Sunday school. It may be serving as a deacon. And deacon is a server. He is a minister, a server. He's not a big shot. He's a server. He serves those that are over him. The minister, the pastor, is really a servant. We're all servants of God. But you have a specific call. You have a specific election, something that God has called you and elected for you to do. That's where your anointing is. That's where Aaron's anointing was. Amen. Praise God. And then, of course, you have the pot of manna. And what does that speak to us? That speaks to us of God always feeding us. He always gives us bread from heaven. He's the one that's going to feed us. He's the one that's going to sustain us. Amen. And, of course, you know, the the, ten, the two tablets containing the law, really what that means is that... Uh, That represents Christ. He is the Word made flesh. And we're called people of the Word. Are you a a person of the Word? Amen. Are you a person of the Word? We need to be. We need to be people of the Word. That in any any circumstance, any situation that we find ourselves in, the first thing we train ourselves to do is, what does the Word of God have to say about this situation? And once we know, then we know what the will of God is. Then we can then we can go ahead and know that we're following and obeying the word of God. Now, listen to something that Paul wrote back in the second chapter of Hebrews. He says, wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. This verse here is speaking of. The mercy seat, the lid that, uh, that covered the ark. They had the cherubim on it. That was the place where the Shekinah glory came down. Amen. Where God would speak uh, to the people of God, to Moses and to the high priest. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus is that mercy seat. And that's the reason why you and I, not just once a year, you and I, can go into that place called the Holy of Holies and we can commune and we can uh, experience the life and the nature of God. His his spirit is on the inside of us. We have now become living temples unto the Lord. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of our place in him. Amen. And when I say in him, I'm talking about 133 different instances in the New Testament that talks to us concerning who and what we are in him. Praise God. That is a tremendous truth. One that I hope that we, if we don't know it now, that we'll come to know that because it will really do something on the inside of us concerning our place and our purpose in this world. Notice what Paul says here. He says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, you can find yourself in every element, every furnishing in the tabernacle. You can find yourself there in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, this next section, we're going to be talking about the New Covenant tabernacle. Amen. Beginning in verse 11, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Amen. We're talking about something totally different than the earthly tabernacle. Verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Notice that having obtained eternal redemption for us, he entered in one time into the holy place, not year after year after year after year after year. No, he entered in once. And that one time he entered into the Holy of Holies, presenting his blood, he obtained eternal redemption for us. Verses 13 and 14. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Notice it says here, sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the puring of the flesh, talking about the blood of bulls and goats that could only clean the outside of the sinner. But notice what he says now. But how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit? Now, eternal spirit, I know it's probably in your Bible, that spirit is capitalized, which means Holy Spirit. But I don't believe that that means the Holy Spirit, because the Greek word pneumatos is in lowercase, talking about your spirit, but it's talking about the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, who through... The eternal spirit, talking about his spirit, his, his divine nature. Amen. See, in this verse, these verses are talking about the duality of uh, the Son of God, that the fact that he is the infinite God-man. Amen. Christ's own spirit, which is eternal, talking about the duality. See, it was his human nature that was separated and died on the cross. But it was his divine nature that cooperated with his human nature that enabled him to endure the cross, despising the shame. Now, I'm not just the only one that believes that. Robertson believes that. Vincent believes that. Wycliffe, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, many others that also believe that. Amen. Verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. What Jesus did was eternal. He obtained eternal redemption for us. And one of the benefits of eternal redemption is an eternal inheritance. Christ secured the new covenant. He inaugurated that new covenant through his blood. You and I are the recipients of that covenant when we enter into faith and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. Verses 16 and 17 say this. For where a testament is, there also must of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of fourths after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So when Christ died, he inaugurated the New Testament. Verse 18, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle And all the vessels of ministry and almost all things are by law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. It was therefore necessary, verse 23, that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, "...but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then he must have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself." And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. This is the blessed hope, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So chapter 9 is talking about us in him. It's talking about Christ, but also us in him. And because he's done what he's done in his death, burial, and resurrection, ascension on, a, on hand, he's coming again, praise God. And he's going to receive us unto himself, that where he is, there we will be also. That's the blessed hope, praise God. That's what we're looking for in it. Father, we bless you. We thank you in the name of Jesus for your goodness and for your mercy. Now, Lord, enlighten us in your word of God. And we give you thanks and praise for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly.